Coming to you from Silicon Valley, I'm Marcus Edwards, and I'm on the hunt for recruiting leaders, producers, innovators, and pioneers who've made their mark on the industry and can't wait to share their points of view. We'll tackle the tough topics and dig deep to find the answers you're looking for and some actionable advice you can take to the bank. So stick around and stay tuned, and welcome to Recruiting Trailblazers. Okay, so last week on my Business Development Insights podcast, I talked about the importance of nurturing your network and looking for opportunities to align with hiring managers as a trusted partner rather than just requirement gathering. This week, we're going to talk about outreach tactics and how automation, when executed correctly, can help you achieve some degree of scale without necessarily sacrificing quality. So my guest this week on Recruiting Trailblazers is Stephen Perchikoff from the Art of Sales Academy. Steve works with recruiters in generating quality leads for their business using a methodology that he calls scalable personalization. So welcome to the podcast, Steve Perchikoff. Thank you very much for having me. It's good to be here. Thanks, Steve. And um, whereabouts are you in the world today? Today, I'm in the Dominican Republic. On holiday, I understand. I'm on holiday. Yes, it's my. I'm the best man at uh, my best friend's wedding, and this weekend is his bachelor party. So we're fantastic! Here for a few days. Well, thank you for taking the time for having a quick chat with us. I really appreciate it. Um, we've been planning this for a while now, and so I'm excited to get stuck in. Um, so we're going to talk about a few topics today. We're going to talk about what scalable personalization actually is. We're going to talk about how automation used correctly can drive some incredible results. We're going to cover the tools, the tactics, and the tricks that you need to know to run effective, scalable outreach campaigns. But first, Steve, let's tackle the elephant in the room. And by that, I mean the mindset behind automation and particularly how to get over the fear of embracing automation and moving from a one-to-one approach to a one-to-many approach in order to grow your business. So how do we cross that bridge, Steve? Yeah, absolutely. So... The way that a lot of people, a certain segment of people think about automation is that they they have a bit of an aversion to it. They have an aversion to it because they're familiar with people sending them poor messages that are poorly templated and clearly impersonal and use use the bot. And they don't want to be like those people, right? And they think that that's what it is. So I understand that aversion. I'm sensitive to that aversion. Uh So the way that you get over it is by doing it really, really well. And the way you do that is by thinking long and hard and carefully around how you're going to do it, what your strategy is going to be, what your message is going to be. And when done well, the automation is just a way to scale intimacy. It's just a way to scale your ability to connect with people and to write personalized messages or mostly personalized messages, right? This is one of the pillars of our agency is this idea of scalable personalization. How can you scale personalization? You know, you've mentioned to me before about the fear of reaching out. Can you talk about that? Yes, yes, yes. It goes beyond automation. This is just people nervous about reaching out to others. I call it foro, fear of reaching out. Um, People want to rest on their laurels and just have clients come to them opportunities come their way and they don't want to necessarily do the business development that needs to be done to do that. Certain recruiters, recruiters are a little bit less like that, but still they're too self-concerned with 
how they will be perceived, how their image will be perceived often, right? They don't, they don't want to come off as saying the wrong thing. They think their whole business is going to fall apart and everyone will hate them if they do. And my response to that is that's very, very self-absorbed. It's ego-based. It's kind of like the teenager who thought everybody was looking at him because he wore a, you know, he had a little stain on his shirt in high school and everybody was looking at him and, and, and didn't like them and laughing at them, right? And, and most of the time, every other teenager was just self-absorbed themselves and they weren't really paying attention to them at all. It's kind of in their head, right? This is the same sort of thing. Yes, by doing this approach, some people will say no. Some people will say they're not interested. So what? That's just a part of business development. You knock on doors and, and some folks are, are going to say no. So you need to get over yourself. You need to get over yourself. You need to get over yourself. That's, that's the key. But you, you know, you press on. And as long as you're not being a no is okay. You know, it's not good when people are just saying, this is the worst message I've ever seen. Like those, you know, you're annoying. That means you're on the wrong track, but a no is, is fine. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head there. I don't want to be the type of person that I see ending up in my inbox all the time. And literally 99%, that might not even be an exaggeration of the messages I get are not even reasonably well personalized. Um, there's, there's no attempt. What happens with the podcast is that I do get a decent amount of nice messages from people who are saying I'm really enjoying the podcast. And they're the, the only messages that I get personalized. But when someone's reaching out to me to try and sell me something, those messages don't ever seem to be decently personalized or particularly relevant to me. And so what you're saying is there is an opportunity to do this better, right? Absolutely. And not only is there an opportunity to do it better, when you do it better, you get compliments. I've had many of my clients, many folks to me reach out and say, wow, that was such a great message. Really well done. I want to talk. It's, you know, you've done your research. You're standing above the noise. And so that catches people's eyes. Right. All right. And you have to accept the fact that when you engage and embrace this kind of outreach, this automated outreach, plenty of people are going to say no, and plenty of people are going to ignore you. And that's just part and parcel of, of what you're getting into, isn't it? A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Um, before we get into scalable personalization, I mean, let's just talk about personalization for a second and crafting messages that resonate. Okay. What do you think on the importance of personalizing messages? I mean, it, it might seem obvious, but, but where do you stand on personalization? Yeah. So where I stand on personalization is, you know, there's, there's a bit of a formula when you're writing LinkedIn and email messages, there is a bit of a formula of what makes things successful. Um, messages should be relatively short and pithy, you know, less than a hundred words. Um, and you want to open it up about them and relating to them. So, uh, you know, for example, you great to connect and see your background as the chief nursing officer at this hospital, you start like that. It's very specific, right? Um, I'm in a similar space too, which is part of why I'm reaching out. So now you connect it to yourself. So that's sort of often how we like to start the, the first sentence. Really a couple of things personalized, but you don't want to be, you also don't want to, if you, if you take it too far, it doesn't help your cause. And it's kind of annoying anyway. Like I've had messages in the past, like, Stephen, great to see your experience at Artist Sales Camp. Wow, you went to Hunter University. You, you grew up in New York. That's so, like, okay, like, you, you've read my profile clearly. Get to the point now of why we're speaking together. And that's the next piece. And the next piece is you want to capture the interest of whoever 
whatever person you're writing, you want to capture their interest. You want to get them from zero to interest. That's the point of the message, getting them from zero to interest. How do you do that? You put some breadcrumbs in front of them, a few sentences, a few buzzwords, a little bit of social proof in the right way where the, the wires start firing off, the synapses start firing off in their head, some dopamine start, start, you know, start, start flowing and they get excited. And, but you leave a little bit of mystery. You keep the sizzle, you leave a little bit of mystery, and then you offer an opportunity to connect, to get to know them better, this sort of thing. And then they'll fill in the blanks of, huh, this, there's something intriguing here, right? You're building a little intrigue. And then that, that's what will lend itself to a conversation. A very good, well-phrased offer of why to speak, a couple of things in the beginning showing that you read their profile and that there's something interesting, and then a friendly ask to get together on a call to get to know them better, not a hard pitch or too soft, which also you, you'll get meetings with low-level people if you ask for virtual coffees and all these sort of things. High-level people want a purpose of getting on the call but without being salesy, and that's the way you get in front of them. Yeah, and I think it's important to call out the problem that you're looking to solve because you need to talk about them, not just yourself. You can't just tell them what you do and why it's so amazing and why they should work with you. I think you have to sort of like show recognition of, of a problem that they may need solving and then sort of reconcile how your solution might be able to, to solve that problem. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So scalable personalization, what is it? So scalable personalization is, where this sort of Venn diagram intersects. Scale is when people use tools and automation, and that alone can help you get some results, but if you don't do it well, you burn the bridges. Personalization is where folks like to write each message by hand and really knock it out of the park, and that will work too, but you will never get the volume that you want. You won't get as many opportunities as you want that way either. Scalable personalization is when you combine the two and you're able to use a little automation while thinking carefully around what the campaign will look like to get it 80, 90% of the way there of what you'd write by hand anyway. If you can find what you'd write by hand anyway and find a way to automate it by thinking carefully about what the list will look like, what your offer is, what the target is, you find that, that's where the business development opportunities start to open up. Right. And in order to sort of execute on scalable personalization, it sounds to me like you need to have a very sort of tight list of prospects who share a lot of the commonalities that, that you can then call out in your personal message, right? That's exact. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's how you crack the code. Right. Um, can you elaborate at all on how you do that from a, from a sort of like a sourcing perspective? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a number of ways. One way an easy layup way is if you're, you know, clients that we work with that are already recruiting firms. Uh, if they're already recruiting firms and they've really honed in on a niche and they own that niche, they have some content around it, this is all they do, that alone kind of opens up doors. So we uh, recently had a recruiting firm that targeted management consultancies. They never did outreach. They, their, their entire client base consists of like the top 10 management consulting companies and they've only broken into two or three of them. But there's 100 to 200 people, decision makers in each one who's hiring that they need to speak with. So we made very targeted lists of Ernst & Young, Accenture, all these sorts of things, and mentioned some of her experience placing, you know, folks at, a, at another company or the kind, and her profile was super geared towards all her successes in this very niche cottage industry. And so that 
lent itself to giving credibility, relevancy, and folks wanted to speak with her, right? That's, that's one way. Um, another way is we, another way is kind of blending, um, blue, finding a blue ocean, right? So I actually work with, we've worked with a number of recruiting firms who focus on technology startups. And in that journey, it's been sometimes harder to get, get the attention, especially in this economy, to get the attention of the startup folks because of, you know, layoffs and because that's what so many recruiters are going after startup folks. So some of them have become more open-minded to like, Hey, let's just put me where things are going to work. So I asked them, where have you had success? And outside of tech. And one gentleman told me, well, I, I actually placed 25 people at a travel company recently. So I was like, that's perfect. They're not nearly hit up as much as other people. They're very active on LinkedIn. Let's make audiences of HR folks. That's one audience talent. That's another audience. Um, and then the VPs and another audience. And then we make the messaging highly geared to the HR person, the VP person and mention, you know, like, Hey, I've, I've had a lot of success, uh, placing at, at a very particular travel company, even though most of my time has been spent working with high level tech startups, Silicon Valley startups. Uh, I've just built this such a robust network now and I've had so much success placing people at high growth travel companies that I thought it would be nice to connect. So boom, blue ocean plus relevant message that worked. And I'll give you the last example, which is the MPC campaigns, where if you can scrape lists, let's say on Indeed or LinkedIn of job titles, people that are hiring, um, and find the hiring managers, and then you make that list, and then you reach out to them, connecting with them, 50 people a day, messaging them about this very specific job opportunity. Um, we have this with the civil engineering recruiting firm, right? They work in civil engineering, structural engineering, so we find bridge builders and things like that, companies hiring for bridge builders, and we target them. And we mentioned very poignantly that, you know, I saw this opportunity in Atlanta, you're hiring this bridge builder, you know, whatever it is, a structural engineer, um, happen to have a number of candidates. This is all we do. We'd love to connect. So that at scale gets responses. Yeah, we talk about the MPC quite frequently on the podcast and it's definitely still an effective method if you if you pitch your candidate correctly um and by that i mean not necessarily saying would you be interested yes or no um but here's an example of the type of person that we are able to source and and this particular individual happens to be available immediately as well but let's have a chat and we can show you our process on how we can unearth these types of quality candidates for you and so i think it's a great way to start a conversation right totally yeah. Um, let's talk about tools for a second. Obviously, if you're going to automate campaigns, I'm sure there's a fair few amount of tools that you're going to need. What, what's in your armory, Steve? Yeah. So we've tried every tool, I think, at this point. Um, for LinkedIn, the best tool is a tool called Ulink. It's invite only. So uh, if anybody on your team is interested, there's probably YouTube videos around it. You can probably get an invite link or just ask me directly and I'll send you one. Uh, so that's the best tool for LinkedIn outreach. Um, it's, it's just, it just works. It never flares off anything on LinkedIn. It's safe. Uh, so we really like it. And then Woodpecker is the best one for email outreach. Right. Because you tackle this from two perspectives, don't you? It's not just LinkedIn, um, connection requests, et cetera, but you're also sequencing emails and using tools, I imagine, to find emails. Yeah, exactly. Does you link find emails? No, uh, it gives you the email. It does find some, it gives you the emails after people accept 
your connection of and it'll put it in a spreadsheet of everybody's email address. But no, the, for emails, we actually use a tool called Seamless.ai. It's a bit pricey, but it's it does a pretty good job. And then there's another one called the I have to remember the name. I don't want to give the wrong name, but it's something the data something, and it's more affordable, less accurate, but the leads are pretty good. Are for the price, it's it's the best bang for your buck. Yeah. There are a lot of those tools. And I think if you Google sort of best email finder tools, you'll see there's plenty of lists out there. There's another one, which I think is quite cheap. I think it's called SalesQL. Have you heard of that one? No, no, I haven't heard of them. Yeah. But there's loads like hunter.io. There's, there's tons of them. Exactly. Exactly. And some of the email sequencing platforms have inbuilt email finders as well, like Gem. Gem's a big one in the recruiting space. Exactly. Exactly. And from a sourcing perspective, are you using Sales Navigator or LinkedIn Recruiter? Often, yes. We'll often use Sales Navigator specifically. Sales Navigator is just better for business development. Um, sometimes we'll use lists outside of Sales Navigator as well, if possible. Uh, I remember for one particular staffing firm that focused on placing um, very specific candidates, Atlassian, Atlassian engineers, right? They, they work on a specific techno- technology product. And so we made a list. We found all the Atlassian silver, gold, platinum partners on a separate database, separate website. We scraped all of them. We put them all on LinkedIn. We tagged it. We tagged and targeted all of the titles from those companies and mentioned, you know, I saw you're a silver partner. We also focus on Atlassian, this sort of thing. So that, that can really help you stay above the noise as well. If you find creative places outside of LinkedIn sales navigator to find your audiences. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned sort of safety. And I think one of the concerns that people have when they're considering automation is playing fair with LinkedIn or definitely playing in their sandbox so they don't shut you down. You said that Ulink is a tool that plays very fair with LinkedIn. H- how do you combat those objections when you're talking to people? You know, I'm worried about my LinkedIn profile getting shut down. Uh, yeah, I understand. You know, you're, you are a little bit playing in a, in a bit of a gray area. But ultimately, what LinkedIn wants is to create a good user experience for people. That's what it's showing me all the time because we've worked with hundreds of clients and have done this and have never gotten any account banned or anything like that, right? So you've never been shut down? Never, never, never. Uh, I have seen accounts get a, f- a small percentage of, let's say, maybe 0.5% of all the clients that we're going to have gotten a warning before. Usually that's been after they've done some automation previously and they haven't done it well. Um, there's certain tools out there that will trigger LinkedIn. Either LinkedIn is aware of them or they're the way that they connect your message isn't authentically human enough and LinkedIn detects it and doesn't like it. So that's why I stick with Ulink because it's, it's been proven every other tool I've used, some kind of snag has come up at some point. Um, it's, it's complicated, I guess, to, you know, merge with you LinkedIn in this way. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's a big thing. Um, maintaining, you know, a decent amount of connections, not a hundred, 200 a day, but 50 to a hundred and sending good messages. Oftentimes people get that warning and it's not even because LinkedIn detects a tool. It's because you're connecting with a lot of people and you're sending bad messages and all those people are writing, I don't know this person, block, block, spam, spam. And then LinkedIn is like, you're not creating a good user experience. Uh, you're, 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 you're not doing a good job here. Like here's a warning. Don't do it again. And typically they give three to five warnings before they start removing some features, usually four or five. So even if you get a warning, it's not a, 
death sentence or anything like that. It's, you know, they, they, they give you a lot of warnings first. And if you, if you're starting to get some, I think at that point, you, you really got to be on your best behavior and, and, and really decide if it's worth the risk or not. Yeah. Because it all goes back to connecting with people meaningfully, doesn't it? And keeping your lists tight. So if you are using scalable personalization, it's still relevant to the people that you're reaching out to. Um, you've got to reach out to people who are genuinely going to see the value in your service. And I think I just get so many messages from people where I just think, why did they even bother reaching out to me in the first place? You know, a hundred percent. So, um, are there any other sort of like red flags that you need to avoid when you're executing one of these campaigns, like sending links and stuff like that? Um, I think sending links are okay. Generally, I like to stand on the strength of my message and then have the profile do a lot of the talking because anybody who takes a call with you is going to look at the profile first. So you yeah. really want to have that looking great. And then, you know, having all the links that you need there. And then the message is really just working to hook them enough to get interested then to look at your profile, then to trust you and then write you back. So that's what we try to do. We also keep it at around a six or seven message cadence, uh, three or four on LinkedIn, three or four on email over, you know, each one, four to seven days apart. This also helps. Um, sometimes on the later ones, we'll go further apart, two weeks apart. So, yeah. Right. And do you recommend a sort of a dual pronged campaign where you're connecting with people on LinkedIn using automation, but you're also sequencing emails to the same people or do you do one and then do the other? We do one and then the other mainly for technical reasons. Um, tools that do both are not reliable, haven't, haven't proven to me to be reliable. So we kind of keep the functionality of the tools separate. So that's why we'll do. I think it would be better to do one than the other slightly. It would give a slight edge. But the fact that tools who try to do that are not up to snuff makes it worse, a worse idea. Yeah. Now, I suppose before you rush into a big automated outreach or connection campaign, it's pretty important to have an optimized profile. What does that look like and how important is it? Uh, good question. So <clears throat> it's like varying degrees of importance, I guess. You know, sometimes not so, sometimes it can work even if you don't have a great profile. Sometimes it really helps when you do have one. Other times it can look like you're trying too hard if you have it overly optimized. So depending on the vertical, it all there's all these like nuances, I would say. But in general, you do want to have a great headshot, the right headline. This is what helps people decide when they connect with you or not. Uh, about section filled out, a few case studies or PDFs, stories, all your all your job history filled out. Um, you know all these sorts of things, and then the about section and your headline really reflecting your differentiator without being salesy of why people should speak with you and who you are and what you're about. That's, that helps. Yeah. Cause a lot of people recommend a headline that sort of explains to people who you help and how you help them. So for example, a recruiter might say, I help SaaS salespeople find exciting new opportunities that aren't on the job boards. Do you think that's the right strategy or do you think that can be off putting because it's almost too much information? Again, yeah, it's like it's subtle. Um, you know, I think I think it's okay because at first you're just trying to get people to accept your connection request. Someone's more likely to accept if it just says CEO at company, and then maybe the next part is you know helping place candidates at SaaS companies or high growth companies, something like that. But really, they are only able to see the first few words. They're more likely to accept Sling Connect because you got to understand people's connection network 
section. Um, it's full of people that are using automation poorly. And what do those people look like? They have pitchy headlines and then they start pitching you immediately. So that is a bit off-putting. And then others have messages. Hey, looking to connect, span my network, then spam you. So don't do those. So if you don't do those things, you already look a little different. You're like, oh, who's the CEO at, you know, Avatar Group? Um, nice photo, looks professional. I'll have them in my network, sure. And then they'll and they accept and then, you know, they'll look at your profile later and something like that. You're already, you're already kind of like separating yourself by just subtly, subtly conveying the message. Like we should connect because I look like someone you want to know, you know, without directly stating it. I think we're all sick and tired of the connect and pitches and quite often what happens. Um, and I go through phases where I accept connection requests and then, you know, days when I just don't, but quite often what happens when I accept a connection request is that instantaneously there's a pitch in my inbox is it, that must be automated, right? That's a hundred percent automated. Yes. Yeah. And I don't like that. Of course. Yeah. I don't blame you. And I, 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 you know, I'm of the philosophy that you shouldn't ever send a message right after you connect with someone. We always send it, you know, 24 hours later, give it a little air, let the connections flow. These are the things you want to see. You want to test a number of different audiences, uh, a number of different campaigns, and you want to be able to see uh, which one's working best and double down on that. So that's the first thing you want to see, like who's connecting, who's got the highest level of connection. Let's talk about success for a minute. Okay. Because I'm sure, you know, people who are listening are wondering, you know, what's the upside of all of this? What, what's the volume required? And when we're talking about scalable personalization and doing the, doing this in a very quality way, what kind of numbers are we talking about in terms of how many people you recommend to reach out to, what kind of success ratios you're looking to get, et cetera. Yeah. So typically the volume that's allowed is 50 to hundred connections a day. I think that there's no reason not to go for that, to at least expand your network and, and use that feature and functionality of acceptances. You want to see around 20% minimum. That's really good. Um, some of our clients are seeing 40, 50% acceptance rates. That's, that's really great. More acceptance rates means more bats, as long as they're, especially if they're with the right people. So that's good. And then as far as reply rates go, two to five percent, right? Two to percent minimum. If you're seeing five percent, that's good. Some of our clients are seeing ten percent. That's amazing. Like you, you have ten percent, you're probably getting more calls than you can handle in a week. So we kind of those those clients we may like turned it on and off just to make sure that they have everything they need. Yeah. Um, but this all requires a fair amount of setting up. It's not just plug and play, you know, here's a list of people and then you just hit send and hope for the best. Yeah. There's a decent amount of strategy that goes into creating these campaigns up front, right? Yeah. There's a lot of strategy. Definitely. Um, there's some tech stuff to figure out, some process stuff to handle. And there's also, um, you know, for, for our agency clients, we, we handle all of this and we also have a team that handles the inbox, who's trained on what templates to write, to book the calls and to handle the calls, all these sorts of things. So you don't really have to think about it. You just show up to the calls. And so how many calls a week do you typically arrange for your clients or what's the goal? Yeah. So again, that's pretty dependent on industries, what titles you want to go after, 
lower level people, it's easier directors are easier to get calls with than CEOs, right? So all these sorts of things matter. What industry you're in matters. How active they're on LinkedIn and email matters. So I give a broad range. I say five to 20 plus qualified opportunities created a month. We're not trying to sandbag whatever is possible, but our limitations are the viability of your market and the amount of messages and connections that we're actually able to send in a day. Right. Okay. Um, what's the best way to get started with automated outreach? You know, I'm not sure I just want to go in and just start blasting away. How do you get your feet wet? It's a good question. There's a couple of steps before it, right? Like, yeah, really not to understand what's your offer. Who are you targeting? What makes you unique? What's your unique positioning in the space? Who do you want to speak with? In what verticals? Once you answer all of those questions, then you can start using automation intelligently. It's just a tool. It's just a tool to amplify your reach. And if you're, if the things you're putting within it are not good, you're just amplifying things that are not good. So it's not, that's not great either, right? Right. Yeah. Back to the quality piece. So yeah. let's say I wanted to start off by the, a very basic level. I wanted to start automating my connection requests. Okay. How do I do that? And at what cadence do I do that? And do I send a personal message in my very first outreach in my connection okay. request? Cool. Good question. Yeah. So again, the, the tools that we use, we just set it to 50 to 100 connections a day, which is fine. That's the right amount. And then as far as including a welcome message, I would ignore it. Focus on having a nice picture, nice headline hidden, right? You want to send subtle signals saying, I'll help you grow your business by 500%. Not subtle, very on the nose. Inception, the movie Inception. You want to think about the movie Inception. You're incepting ideas in people's minds by being a finger pointing at the moon, not directly explaining, you know, the quality of the rocks on that planet, right? In scientific terms. Okay. So you, you want to, you want to just allude to things and, uh, and your profile and your headline is, is something that will, will, will do that. Okay. So no outreach message. It's just automating the connection request. And, and I have to call out what you're saying about 50 to hundred a day. My understanding is that it's a hundred per week right now. And, and it was throttled back, I think about six months or a year ago. Yes. So true to an extent, it's a hundred per week. If you click the connect button on people's profiles, there are ways to other ways of sending connection requests to prospects. One of those ways is inviting them by their email. If you have their email address, the tools that we use find their email address and invite them by email. And it's pretty much all that means is LinkedIn asks, do you have their email address? And you plug it in and the tool plugs it in and, uh, and it matches the LinkedIn profile. And by doing so, you get to be able to send them a regular connection request. Okay. So when you use their email address, it doesn't count against your 100 per week allotment of when you're using the connect button. Exactly right. I did not know that. That's why I'm here. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so what next? Okay. My connection request has been accepted by a prospect that I'm interested in having a conversation with. Um, as I said, I, I hate people who then immediately or instantaneously, you know, set the automation to, to fling over that pitch. 
What do you recommend next? What does the second message look like? What does the third message look like? How do you warm these prospects up? Yeah, so you connect with them 24 hours later, have another message. I would suggest generally just go for it in that 24-hour message. You know, there's there's a for recruiters, there's you should just go for it because you're you're just going after people who have needs, you want to start the relationship, you want to start meeting people, you want to build your pipeline. Just go for it. Don't try to say nice to connect and like, here's a free PDF about how you can find your best hiring practices. P.S. You know, and then like the next message, here's an article I just wrote. It's like, just get to the point. They don't want your articles. They don't want your PDFs. Either you are able to clearly convey what you do and how you're going to help and they have a need or at some point will have a need and they're interested to start building that relationship now or they won't. And if they won't, that's what your content is for on LinkedIn, your emails, all that stuff. That's what that part is for, to warming up the people who are not ready to speak with now, but you're going in the inbox to get the people who are ready. Okay. That's strong advice. So you are an advocate of being a content developer as well to sort of keep in touch on a one-to-many basis with the people who have connected with you. But when it comes to using DMs, you recommend getting straight to the point. DMs? For recruiting firms specifically, other verticals, there are some differences, but for recruiting firms specifically, yes, get to the point, but not in a salesy way and not in a overly confusing way. You got to get to the, get to their interest, spark their right. interest, build a mini relationship and then get off LinkedIn and have a conversation. Right. Right. You've got to appeal to you know, what's in it for me. Everybody's thinking what's in it for me the whole time. You have to find a way of appealing to that. And then as you say, figuring out the best time to take them off LinkedIn and have that conversation. Um, so yeah, that's, exactly. that's really good stuff. Um, okay. So that's automated connections, um, which sounds like a great way to get in front of your intended prospects. And then we talked briefly about automating NPC campaigns. What are some of the other types of campaigns you can execute on? Yeah. So MPC is one, obviously just, you know, a couple others are, um, you, know, you, you spend, you spend some time heavily researching, you break it down by titles, by geographies, what filters you're using. Um, one other one that's been working really well for some of our clients is people who've changed jobs in the last 90 days. Cause they're usually looking to make a splash, looking to hire, especially with the C-suite executive. They've been charged, you know, they've, they've been put in charge to like fire everybody and hire a bunch of new people. So, you know, using that as a filter within Sales Navigator and mentioning, you know, congrats on the new role. Um, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure you're excited and I'm sure there's a lot of changes happening there and I'd love to help facilitate things. Um, there's filters on, on LinkedIn that you can filter on accounts for companies that are, have a lot of positions open or that have hired a lot recently. So you can mention that they're fast growing, you notice they've been doing a lot of hiring these sort of messages, you're using the filters and then you're making the audiences and then you're sending messages that speak to certain attributes of them. And if you can use the, all that creatively, then you're not going to sound like just another person in the inbox saying, you know, hey, Todd, great to see your job as the CEO. And that's it, you know? So that makes total sense. So that gets back to what you're saying about scalable personalization. You're sourcing prospects with your personalization in mind. And if you have three or four touch points that are similar in a list of people, you can call them out in your outreach. And then it seems very personal. And even if they can spot that it wasn't essentially meant 
just directly to them, it's it's complementary, isn't it? Because it does actually remain relevant. And if it calls out a few things where they work or, you know, the city they live in or, you know, the type of company or the size of company they're at, then they know it's at least meant for them. And that's, again, exactly. getting back to what your definition of scalable personalization. Exactly right. Yep. Yeah. Um, from an email standpoint, if you start to embrace sequencing emails, are there any technical challenges up front? Because I've heard about things like you've got to use a different email address. You've got to warm up that email address so you don't sort of alert your ISP to, to the fact that you're sending out bulk email. You've got to do it over a period of time. What are those considerations like? Yes. Uh, these are good concerns. You, it's really similar in, in some ways as um, some of the Ulink stuff. You, 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 you do want to typically protect your domain. You like to make a new domain for a client, not the same one that they have. Using a new domain in case something happens, they don't get dinged. Um, you know, you want to warm up the email address initially, maybe sending 10 to 20 emails a day and then ramping that up to 50 to 100 um, plus, right? Um, and then you cadence them out the same way. It's a couple of days apart all these sorts of things and emails to be honest generally work a little worse these days than, than LinkedIn. We used to be an email marketing agency five, six years ago and we focus more on LinkedIn because it's just the results are stronger. So uh, it's just harder. You just need more volume with email. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Well, I think we've touched on a ton of stuff here this morning, Steve. Thanks a lot for sharing some of your wisdom. Um, sounds to me My like- pleasure. Yeah, you need to, basically, it's all down to getting over yourself, um, having the courage to to get out there and start experimenting at least with automation, um, doing it well, because that is the key here. And I don't think it's that hard to differentiate yourself from most of the people I see in my inbox. So I think doing it well is is a big opportunity for anybody who wants to get on board. And then just accepting the fact that at the end of the day, you know, quite a lot of people are going to say no. And that's that's a recruiter's life anyway. We know that people are going to say no. Clients and candidates say no to us most of the time, actually. So if anybody wants to get in touch with you and talk further about how you might be able to help them or strategies that you can share with them, how would they find you? Absolutely, yeah. So our site is artofsalesacademy.com and the, there's a place to schedule a call at artofsalesacademy.com forward slash book. On the website, there's just a button that says get started. That's That'll take you there. So you can have a conversation. We can figure out a plan for you right on you know the first call i could just give you some of the things that i mentioned on this call give you some specific examples directly for your business right there on that call and give you a way to generate these sort of opportunities and help you implement some of these elements into your business straight away so that would be a good a good way um and or you can just email me steven at artofsalesacademy.com also a good way Stephen at artofsalesacademy.com. Stephen with a V. Thank you, Stephen Perchikoff, for coming on Recruiting Trailblazers this week and sharing your wisdom on the art of outreach at scale and scalable personalization. Really appreciate your insights and we'll speak again soon. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, cheers. Cheers. 